Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, and welcome back to another week of the Goalie Hacks podcast. Happy three months into the show as announced last week, and thanks again for tuning in. Uh, I got some big things planned the next few weeks, so just make sure you keep an eye out for any announcements on my pages in the next short little while. Today on the show, I'll be doing a solo session by popular request, and I'll be teaching you guys you know, what to expect when it comes to recruiting, how to play your cards right, how to overcome politics in, ho- in, in the hockey world, You know, how to build your reputation and get more exposure, how to get on scouts and coaches' radar to be even considered for the next level, and, and ultimately... You know, how to do all your own recruiting work to increase your odds of getting a good fit, um, you know, an opportunity at the next level to, to set you up for success as you goalies continue your hockey journeys trying to get to the next level. So make sure to stick around at the end of the show to get all my personal secret recruiting hacks. I'm going to be revealing all of them today to you guys. Absolutely free of charge. Who needs agents? Uh <laughs> Uh, who needs family advisors? You know, you got me leading you into battle, and I know you won't be disappointed. I just want to give a quick shout out to this month's winners of our internal and private NeuroTracker League. Congrats to Jacob Snellenberg on getting the highest average score of 3.29. An honorable mention to the runner up, Sal Staltieri, with a 3.21 average score. What a tight race it was coming down to the wire you know way to work boys and and keep up the excellent job and shout out to our other winner of the month for most improved ryan buzalo improving 133 percent since her baseline test a month ago an honorable mention to our runner-up david mayer uh with an 85 percent improvement this month congrats to everyone who won and also just want to shout out uh you know uh the the hard work the rest of the group is putting in um, it definitely doesn't go unnoticed, you know, so keep up the great work, everyone. Just just want to say I couldn't be happier with the way the NeuroTracker is going uh, and, and the training is going. And I know everyone else in the group couldn't be happier with the results as well so far. We have a private group chat where we all post our scores, hang out, and compete in friendly monthly competitions to make the experience much more fun. And the winners will be announced on my podcast and my story on a monthly basis. So if you're interested in having some fun while getting better, and if you're interested in adding in, um, you know, my, in my opinion, an invaluable layer to your training regimen, you know, just hit me up for more details to, to details to jump into our group of, of 20 people now. Um, and, and I know you won't be disappointed. Kids have already started to get back on the ice and they're blown away by the results they're getting. So it's not a matter of if it works. It's just a matter if you want to finally take the the next step to learn more and get involved. So there's also several testimonials of kids that have gotten started on my story highlights on Instagram. So make sure to go check those out when you get a minute if you want more proof this stuff is really working for everyone. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the recruiting talk I have for everyone today. All right, guys, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's show. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and by popular request today, I will be hammering out a solo session. The people have spoken, 
And in my community, the people get what they want. So today, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about all things recruiting since it's recruiting season. And what a better time to share all this valuable information I've been able to find over my years trying to get to the next level through a trial and error process, really, right? Failing, failing, constantly finding out what works, what people respond to. Um, And maybe we can just start off by setting the scene a bit, uh, uh, painting a picture of like where we're at right now. And the state of recruiting and how important it is, the state of hockey and the competitiveness of the game. And you know me, I do not sugarcoat anything. And I truly believe that's the best way to really provide you guys the proper perspective so you can go out there and get what you want in this world, right? So first off, the goaltending position in the game of hockey is more competitive than ever. And it will likely continue to be the case um, more and more as the sport grows, as the position grows, it's, it's sort of just the way it is. And more kids are becoming goalies now more than ever. And that number will not shrink. It will only become more and more competitive. But that's not the fear at all. It just means that there will be less room for bad goaltenders, really, right? It's just the Darwin's law of hockey, of sport, of anything. You know, however, it doesn't matter who you are. And if, you got, if you're already putting yourself in a box of like, oh, I can't make it or whatever that is. Uh, Stop right there, you know, and as we've alluded to earlier in other podcasts, there's no such thing as innate talent. And what's innate talent? Innate talent, for people who don't know, is talent you're born with. We're not born with talent. Um, So the quality of goaltender you are is a product of how much work you put into developing yourself as a goalie and growing to become an elite goaltender. You know, that's a choice you have. You want to play a high-performance sport? Well, you're going to have to put more into the game now more than ever, right? The only difference was 20, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago. You know, you had less kids that were willing to do extra work, to work hard every day. Um, you know, it wasn't that it was less competitive necessarily. It was just the knowledge and the tools and skills and nutrition, everything being taught now and the information is way more accessible. Um, you know, so now you have more kids working harder, doing extra, uh, practicing the right things deliberately. Um, you know, trying to elevate themselves with cutting edge knowledge and technology every day. You know, all, all it's doing is increasing the number of quality goaltenders and pushing out people that don't want to put in the work, you know, to really iron out their game and strive to be elite. So there's no room anymore for guys that just want to show up and have it handed to them. You know, it never really worked like that anyway. And now more than ever, putting work into developing yourself and how much energy you put into your development and getting better is becoming the standard, right? Doing extra. So obviously the landscape is more competitive, but for goalies that always did that and always had those qualities of character, hard work, it just means there's, it just means there's more quality goaltenders, which forces us to continue to be better and elevate our game, to continue to, to dial it in on every detail and to continue to deliberately practice, to put ourselves ahead of the competition. Uh, however, we aren't really here today to talk about development necessarily, and we've talked about that a lot in previous episodes, although we are a little, but we're here to talk about recruiting. You know, how do you guys get to the next level, providing perspective on the landscape really so you guys know how it is, so you can figure out how exactly you can get what you want in this world, whatever that is, right? If, if you're naive and, and don't want to believe me, then just keep doing the bare minimum and enjoy playing the game and have fun. That's fine too, you know, but if you want to move up in the hockey world and, and a lot of our listeners are high performance athletes looking to get to the next level, um, I'm going to show you today how exactly to do that, you know, how to create an opportunity for yourself 
to get an opportunity to play at the next level if that's what you want. So first off, I must start by saying this. And the biggest problem with young kids when it comes to trying to play high-performance hockey at the highest levels and getting to the next level, uh, kids looking to make a jump to the next level. The biggest mistake young guys make is being overly conservative. Now, what does that mean? Um, you need to put yourself out there. You need to take calculated risks. You need to be willing to fail in order to figure out what it takes to achieve what you want. And you need to be willing to fail to eventually find what you're looking for. The road to the top is not linear. And for almost 99% of goalies who play at all, um, and I'll tell you that from experience. You know, I've seen a lot of goalies over my years. I've seen my career. Um, guys that should have gone far didn't. Right. And, and maybe me, a guy that shouldn't have gone far did, you know, so how? Right. And in the Carter Hearts and the carry prices of the world, you know, most, if not all people don't have a linear path like that. So that being the case, we obviously need to approach uh, getting to the next level a little differently. Right. And I'm here to help the smaller guys, you know, the guys trying to make their way. Maybe the not so highly touted guys, maybe the guys that are flying under the radar a bit, um, you know, and think of it like this, right? Once you turn 16, you know, you have five years max to make it to the next level. That's it, right? And, and however you do in those five years, you know, the higher or lower you play and how well you play wherever you're at will directly determine where you fall in this world at the next level. All right, and maybe the next level for you is just junior A. Maybe the next level for you is triple A. Um, but if you go out there and light up the highest leagues, like, you know, let's use junior A, for example. If you go light up the USHL or major junior or junior A in a good league, guess what? You're going to get great division one, you know, CIS and pro offers, right? You're at the, at the higher leagues. You go out there and are mediocre in okay leagues with, with not a ton to show for, you know, you might get a D3 offers, low-end CIS, Tier 2 CIS, you know, you get the middle-of-the-barrel opportunities, right? And if you go out there and you don't do well and you can't crack junior and, um, you know, can't get games in, well, unfortunately, you're going to have a tough time finding a job at the next level, right? Because it's very competitive. And, you know, it, it, it is the way it is, but results matter in this business. And, and with goaltending, um the better the results you get, the better the leagues you play in. You know, like think about in the win column, you know, who shares the wins? Do, do players on your team have that win column? Um, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way it is, and it's obviously a team game, but we wear that those wins and losses. We wear the record, and, um, you know, we're the backbone of the team, and, and people, uh, the goaltending position is, is just incredibly important to the success of a team now more than ever. Um but if you get those results, right, at the right in the right leagues with the right teams, with the right exposure, that's when you'll get all the interest you're looking for. The bigger challenges you overcome, and, and by challenges I mean the higher levels you play, and the better you do at those levels, the more people will take you seriously, right? If I play major junior and I'm leading, you know, uh, look at look what happened with uh, Zach Fukali. Came in as a 16-year-old, led the league. You know, won the league, went to Memorial Cup. All of a sudden, you know, NHL, he's getting NHL looks. But you, he, he got those results. They weren't going to push him there if he didn't. There's plenty of guys at the bottom of the barrel in those leagues that don't get a shot, right? So 
I, I'm not saying this to scare you by any means, right? But I just want to put it into perspective for for young guys like, hey, you have a relatively short window here to, to build your worth, you know, to, to prove to people that you're worthy of playing at the next level. And you need to have a plan. You need to have goals and you need to strive for the highest possible level you can to prove to people you're worth playing at the next level, whether it's D1, D3, Major Junior, AAA, CIS, whatever. It's a competitive world. There are only a few goalie spots, a team usually. And and at the next level, there are only so many teams out there looking for goalies in any given league, at any given level, in any given year. Right? So put it this way, about 95% of kids you play with, you know, players included, will not get to the next level at every single level you go to. The top 5% of kids and people would likely argue even fewer than that. Get an opportunity to play at the next level from A to AA to AAA to Junior A to college. Those numbers are constant, you know. So what are you doing? That's different from the people around you. You know, are you training the same? Are you just relying on an agent you pay like everyone else to do all the hard work while you sit at home? You know, what are you actually doing differently to separate yourself from the 95% of goalies that won't make it to the next level? You need to ask yourself that hard question right now. What are you doing different? And if that answer is nothing, well, if you really want a fair shot at getting there, you need to change what you're doing as of yesterday. You want untypical results? You have to put an untypical amount of work compared to your peers both on the training and playing side of the game and the recruiting side of the game, which is what we're going to talk about today. And the biggest problem I see with kids is they're absolutely way too conservative with putting themselves out there, getting more experience, building their reputation, and putting themselves in front of people to give themselves even a chance just to get seen by people at the next level. Give themselves more exposure. You know, you have to be realistic in terms of your development. Like, I get it. If you're playing double A, you're probably not going to get a gig in the USHL as a 16-year-old. It's just a little too far to reach. But if you're 16 playing double A, go try out for junior B and junior C teams. Tier 2, Tier 3. Right? Contact those coaches. Get your name on their radar. Try to get an affiliate with the team. Get uncomfortable. Right, And I'll tell you this right now. If you feel comfortable and you're playing high-performance sports, odds are you're not pushing your limits enough with both playing and recruiting. You know, you want to talk about getting uncomfortable. Uh, I left home at 17. That was 10 years ago. And I was willing to go to a place. I had no clue what to expect, what kind of people would be there, how it would feel, how I'd be treated, all because I knew it would give me more exposure to scouts and teams and increase my odds of getting a Division One scholarship and going to a better school, right? Going to prep, I was at a better school. I knew I would get better grades. It would hold more weight. And, and you know, playing right in the backyard of where all the scouts could see me. Um, you know, and we talk about putting yourself out there. That made me uncomfortable. There was a ton of uncertainty, a ton of it. And I think that's a huge skill that I've been able to uh, develop is, is managing that uncertainty, getting comfortable with that uncertainty. And last week I had Wally on my show, my associate head coach from UVM. 
I spent five years putting myself out there. Every day, every week, every month, because I wanted to play Division One so bad, right? Going to tournaments where scouts were, the Chowder Cup, the Bean Pot for prep kids, anything that would give me even 1% more exposure to scouts at the next level and possibly prove to them 1% more that I could play at the next level. Going to the USHL Combine, going to USHL tryouts, even if it was a shot in hell, right? Willing to fail to get what I want and to show people I was capable of playing at the highest levels, right? And I always hear everyone talking about like, oh, money grabs, it's a money grab. What if you go and you don't stand out as a top five player at the camp? Yeah, it's a money grab because 75% of the team is already picked. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yes, the team is pre-picked and it gets even tighter as you go higher, which means there's maybe five to seven kids that are going to, you know, the main camp from rookie camps, but there are five to seven kids going. They're not zero. There's five to seven kids. And as I alluded to earlier in the conversation, it's competitive. So if you go there, light it up and show them you're better than everyone, guess what? You'll get a main camp invite. Like Matt Smith said in his last interview, we need to be more honest with ourselves. And if you don't make the main camp, look in the mirror. If you're a high-performance athlete and you're making excuses because of politics, let me tell you right now, your career will be over before you know it. The world is full of politics, in business, in hockey, at every level, in life, everywhere, getting a regular job. Oh, the owner gave a job to his close family friend. That's politics. You know, it happens everywhere, guys. It happens everywhere. Yet, yet we want to make more excuses when it comes to hockey because it's the easy way out. And I'm telling you, it's hard. I know it's hard. I went through it. I grinded. And the people who go somewhere in this world are the ones who roll with the punches, say, you know what? I know this was the case, but how could I still have overcome that? How could I have made their decision easier to take me? Because high-performance sports, no one is moving on anywhere being mediocre. You need to excel at the level you're at. And when you're at a trial, you need to stand out above 90% of kids that are there. Because most of those kids don't belong at that camp. And for them, is money grab. So you need to reevaluate what you're putting into your preparation prior to camp. And make sure you're going above and beyond to guarantee when you show up, you're going to likely play better than the majority of kids there, right? So how do you create worth for yourself as a young guy, right? When you go to a team and nobody knows who you are and you don't have much of a resume, well, when you're young, I did it too, you know? You know, uh, when the slate is clean and you're, you're young, how do you create worth for yourself, And you need to start thinking of yourself as an investment. Why should coaches invest in you? Where have you been? What have you done? Because I'll tell you right now, that stuff does matter when it comes down the wire once you're 20, 21. And as I mentioned earlier, the reason Carey Price and Carter Hart are worth a million dollars is because they have the resume and the accomplishments that have made them worth that money. We all start with a clean slate at 16. And and I get we all are granted different opportunities. Totally. But I'm here to show you how you can build your worth as a young guy, how you can prove to people you're ready to play at the next level, how to get more exposure, how to get on their radar to even be considered for the gig. 
I'm going to show you guys today how to build your worth, build your resume so people start taking you seriously, right? But let's face it, the fact is you will inevitably face politics. Everyone does. Expect it to happen at some point. Don't be surprised. But you must understand, you must understand that every single goalie is going through the same things other than the top three or four highly touted and scouted goalies in your region. And I think that's even a high number, right? You got maybe a couple, handful of guys that, that get that. Everything is spoon-fed, handed to them, and they're just the chosen ones, right? And you need to understand this because I've seen too many careers end and go nowhere because guys at the site of politics start making excuses. At the site of politics, you know, they start pointing fingers and giving up. Saying, oh, I don't want to play these games. I don't want to play these politics games. Well, if you want to play high-performance sports, this is the way it is. It's gritty. It's chippy. It's competitive. It's political. And every goalie and their parents want them to go to the NHL. Want them to go play D1. Want them to go play in the USHL or Major Junior or Junior A. Whatever it is. AAA. We all want to play at the highest levels, of course. But the fact of the matter is there's only a select few jobs when you start getting to the higher levels, major, junior, USHL, division one. So what does that mean? You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to accept that some things are out of your control, but you do have and do need to take care of what is in your control. So what is in your control, right? You can control your first impression, you can control your attitude, your preparation, and how you play when you arrive at camp, how you prepare prior to camp. You control those things. You can't control who else the coach is bringing in, how the other goalies play, and the decisions the coaches are going to make at the end of the day given the pool the guys are picking from. All we can control is preparing properly for the level we're trying out for, going there and having a good attitude, being a good teammate and a leader, and getting the results you need to prove to the coaching staff that you can help them win games this upcoming season. That's it. That's what it comes down to at the next level. When coaches are evaluating you, their job is on the line. It's a business, boys and girls. In high-performance sports, there's plenty of turnover when it comes to coaches, and if they can't get the job done, and that happens, you know, if they can't get the job done, they're gone. And that happens at even at more as even more often as you go higher. Right? If if you're if if a team has got sponsorships, they got money, they're paying the coaches, they're paying the staff, they're paying the equipment guy. There's money being spent here, boys. Somebody's losing out here. Somebody wants championships. It's a business. It's a business of results. So you need to understand wherever you go, whenever that is, at whatever level you're at, if you want to make a good first impression, have a good attitude. Do your job better than the guys around you and prove to the coaching staff that you can help them win more games than the other goalies at camp. That's it, right? That's all they want to see. They don't really care what style you are, typically how tall you are. They don't really care where you came from or what your background is necessarily. Once you're at camp, they recruited you to come in. You're there. You show the coaches you can help them win games better than everyone else. And what does that mean? And I talk about this all the time. There's two things that, that show coaches that you can help them win games. 
Number one, you stop all the shots you're supposed to. And two, stop some to most you're not supposed to. Back doors, tic-tac-toe plays, big breakaway saves, whatever. Um, they want to see you do your job. And that's what your job comes down to. Control the game. Make some saves you're not supposed to, to to propel your team to victory. Taking the game into your own hands and doing what it takes to win. That's it. And if you do that, if you go to camp and say, I played better than all of them, I had better numbers, I won more games or periods, I let in no soft goals, I made all the saves I was supposed to, and then made plenty of saves I wasn't really supposed to, well, whatever happens, you can walk away from that experience knowing you put your best foot forward, right? Now, I'm going to tell you guys a few stories about my career and the theory I'm alluding to in the title of this episode um, will become very apparent as to the method I used uh, to show people I was ready to play at the next level. Create worth for myself and play in the highest leagues possible my entire career as an undersized guy who people overlook time and time again. And throughout all these stories, I want you guys to spot the common theme here and see if you notice it before I dive into it after story time. So my first story pertaining to the bubble theory is when I when I got overlooked in the OHL draft and I decided I was going to try to go the college route, right? I outright decided I started applying for prep schools during my season in the summer, started the application process, reaching out to schools. And instead of going to be a backup on a junior A team, me and my dad said, you know what? You're going to play midget. You're going to affiliate in junior and practice with the team until you're ready to play and win. Not just play. Um, and you got to remember, we don't want to make too big of jumps and ruin our development. And for me as an undersized goalie, it was the best thing I could have done was lengthen my development, baby step my way up. So anyways, talk about what I did for four months, right? So the four months getting accl acclimated, like I, I was playing good at the midget level. Like I was playing lights, but I would go practice with these junior guys and, and they would beat me on straight up shots. Like, I wasn't ready to play in a game yet, right? You got to understand, like, dude, you might be able to go play in a game. You might be able to get through the game without getting yanked, but can you win the game? That's what they want at the junior level. It's, it's It goes well beyond just playing, guys. You got to be ready to play. What's the point of, of getting a junior opportunity and then, and then pissing it away because you weren't ready, but you were just so... You just wanted to go get that opportunity because everybody was playing junior. Guys are making that jump. You wanted to look, you want to look cool. You want to make that jump, right? I get it. I was there too. And I was willing to eat dirt for months to make sure that when I finally got my chance, I was ready. And I'll tell you what happened. I would my schedule was basically I would go to school from 8 to 3:30. We would drive an hour away. I would sleep in the car on the way there, practice with the Orangeville Crushers in the OJHL for uh, an hour or an hour. I think it was an hour. And I barely got shots too because the other goalies didn't really like me being there, right? They saw me as a threat, you know? And and they, I wanted to play. And they knew I was kind of gunning for their job, gunning for games. And they would only give me the net when they wanted. And I shut my mouth and I put up with it. And then after practice, I would just take more and more shots. I would play games. And I would just, I worked and I worked. And I'd go from practice, drive back an hour, practice with my midget team for an hour. And then after that, two days a week, 
Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would go to goalie school at 9 o'clock till 9.30. And I would get home at like 11. I barely had time to do any of my homework. I, I got by, you know. Um, and and it's a tough gig. And I would go to bed. I'd wake up at 7.30 and I would be dog tired. And I did that for four months. So you guys want to talk about are you ready for the next level? Are you even willing to grind like that? Are you willing to pour your heart and soul and put your ego aside and 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 do the work to actually be ready to play when that time comes and you know what happened guess what that day came and it was at the end of practice and the owner was watching me and I was playing rebound and I was playing absolutely lights out and I had been starting to have some really good practices as of lately and he went to the coach and said hey we need to play this kid and sure enough they played me against the Hamilton Junior Red Wings. Zach Hyman was on that team uh, who plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL scouts were in the building, everybody. All of a sudden, I stand on my head, we win 3-2. You know, I have like a 35-save game and uh, we get outshot and outmanned and, and we win. My first Junior A start, I won. But think about what I did for four months prior to make sure I was even ready for that opportunity. Right, the preparation that went into being ready for that game, um, and then long story short, because I won that game, because I didn't just jump into, oh, I didn't just sign in junior A and be a backup and rot on the bench. You above all else, wherever you go, you do not want to be sitting on the bench. If it means playing a level lower, you want to be playing games. You want to be the guy. That's who they look for. Um. And, and so I waited and I grinded and I knew I would get there eventually and I kept pushing it and pushing it. And because I waited until I was ready, well, guess what? He kept playing me. My coach was Dale Howarchuk, a Hall of Famer. And at the end of the season, I ended up playing 13 games and starting over their starter in playoffs as an affiliate goalie, as a 16-year-old. Think about that. Because I was patient, because I, was, I showed humility and I was willing to put in the work to focus on my development to make sure I was ready to go, I played every game in midget. I practiced every day with my midget team and then I would go to every single practice I could with that junior A team just to get acclimated. And because of all of that, what happened? Well, because I worked my way into junior A, right? I got my games in junior A as a 16-year-old. Uh, when I contacted Avon... And they finally looked at my resume after, you know, I beat down their doors for months. They, they eventually wouldn't let me walk away. John Gardner was blowing my dad up on the phone. And, and, and I remember we were, going, we were still in playoffs with my midget team. And, uh, you know, he's, he's on the phone saying, your son is coming to play with me with, for here. <laughs> your son's coming to play here next season. I won't have it any other way. And he's like, John, John, I got to go, man. We got a game. And we're, we're rocking out the door to play a game. And you look back and you think because of that junior experience, finding a gig in arguably the top prep program in the country fell into my lap. And, and what an amazing opportunity it was. And I know that. I was grateful and I didn't take it for granted. But I had earned that because I strove for higher. I got a top program offer from a prep program, which is in between minor hockey and junior A, right? You know, so uh, I go to Avon 
do really well there, still no D1 offer, right? Everyone says, yeah, you did good, but we want to see you do it at the junior level. I said, okay, so what do I do? Well, instead of just signing in junior B or junior A and some mediocre team, right? I knew I needed to build more worth for myself. I knew I needed to prove to people that I was worth to being worth a division one deal. So what did that mean? I needed to put myself out there. I needed to take a chance and I needed to try out in the USHL in the top junior league in North America to show people that I could do it at that level. And we'll backtrack a bit here. So end of my repeated junior year, uh, I got invited to the USHL combine, right? I go to the combine and sure enough, I'm like, uh, you know, we're talking, me and my parents are talking. We're like, yeah, it's going to give me exposure to all these USHL scouts. are finally going to see me play. I need to go. I need to show them I can play. You know, with that junior sort of long-term goal in mind of like a year down the road when I graduated. And sure enough, I get assigned to Tri-City with the assistant coach as the coach for the tournament. And I put my best foot forward. We went to Chicago. That's where it was held. Nobody knew who I was. I won every game I played. And one of the games I came in halfway because we played half half games, right? And I came in halfway during a game and came all the way back from a four to one deficit to win. I showed everyone there I was a USHL caliber goalie. No one even knew who I really was then, right? And I was willing. I was like, okay, I need the exposure and I need to go do well there to show people that I can play at that level, right? And even if it doesn't go well, at least I'll have gained the experience from it all what caliber those guys are, what they expect, everything like that. So fast forward. I got an invite to Tri-Cities Rookie Camp at the end of my senior season. So instead of just signing in Junior A, what did I do? Instead of calling it a money grab, what did I do? I put myself out there and I went to the USHL camp to show people I could play. And, and, and I also will prelude that I went to the Lincoln stars camp as well beforehand. And I was a final two cuts at their rookie camp. And in hindsight, I realized that I didn't even, I was never going to make that team. They actually had two guys. They had drafted, uh, they had a guy coming back who was their starter and they had drafted a kid who was going to step in and be a stud. And, I didn't know that, right? So I went anyways for the experience. And guess what? It didn't go well. It got cut. I didn't care. We went all the way to Minnesota, I think, is where the, the tryout was held. And and I went with my mom. My dad couldn't even come. You know what I mean? And we went there. We got a hotel. We stayed. I played my heart out. And I put my best foot forward. And I played really, really good. And same thing. Final two cuts. But they weren't going to take me anyway. So, But I put myself out there. Now... I have my second USHL camp. So what happened? Is it a fail because I went to the first one and didn't make the team? No, I learned what it's like. I got the experience. I knew what to expect because I was willing to put myself out there just to learn, man. Experience as a goalie goes miles further than just being scared and playing it conservative and playing it safe. You need to go there and get the experience, know what it's like, know what to expect, know how to train, so that way the next time around, you know what it takes. And then I went to, we went to Las Vegas. I went to rookie camp with Tri-City 2, not a main camp. Despite my results, it wasn't a main camp invite. Rookie camp where everyone says, oh, it's a money grab. 
That's where I started. And this is going to get really interesting for you guys, alluding to all these details. Because talk about the stakes, the odds. They drafted a German kid just like just like Lincoln drafted a goalie. They had a returning guy. Tri-City had a returning guy who's going to take most of the minutes. And they had drafted a German kid. And and the chance of 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 really was sort of a shot in the dark. But I knew I needed exposure. I knew I needed that experience. And I knew that I wanted to play in that top league. And I was going to do whatever it took to prove to people that I could do that. So let's talk about camp. How did camp go? So I get to rookie camp. And, uh, you know, loaded with guys. You know, there's like eight different teams of like 25 guys or something. It was crazy. But what did I do? I, I just focused on myself, which is what I do at every camp. I say, okay, these are the stakes. These are the odds. It doesn't matter. Just prove to these guys that I can help them win games better than the other guys, right? I put in the work prior to prepare properly. And when I got to camp, it gave me confidence that I'd, you know, do well, that I could put my best foot forward. And so that's what I did. I played really, really good. I stood out, clearly stood out among everybody else. I gave them no choice but to but to uh, invite me to main camp. And that's what happened. I made main camp with their drafted goalie and everything. They, they still brought me to main camp because they couldn't really say no. Um, you know, it would look silly on them. And uh, But, I mean, even if they said no, uh, what would I have done? I would have just gone to another one. Like, that's just the way it is, man. You got to take your shot, even if there's, even if it's a snowball's chance in hell, you know? So I prepare all summer and I get ready to go for main camp in September, right? We get there and I'm lights, lights out. And when I mean lights out, uh, we have practice for a week. It might've been a week and a half or something. And then the first tournament is called the, uh, the Clyde Iron Cup or something like that. I can't remember. I don't even know if it exists anymore. But it was basically a tournament between us, Sioux Falls, um, Sioux City, and I can't remember the other one. Uh, it's like the B or something like that. The yellow, the yellow and black one. I remember the colors, but I don't remember the name. Um, and so I play the first game. I go, I, I play the first half. Guess who I play? I play the Lincoln Stars, the team I tried out for and got cut from. And guess, I, I, I'm sure you can imagine how pumped I was to play, how pumped I was to show them that they made the wrong choice. And, and, I, and, and I played the, the guy they drafted. And uh, I played the first half, and we were up one nothing, and I left. I got to shut out the first half of the game. Did my job, right? Showed well, made some big saves, and we ended up winning that game like 2-0 or something like that, or like 2-1, I think it was. Next night, I don't play. Uh, they play the other two kids, and uh, and then the third night, because we won both games, but the, the, third, the second night we won, it was like 4-3 or something like that. So the other guys let in a bunch of goals. And so the third night is... Basically, you play two round robin games, and whoever has the better record goes to the finals. So there's like a final game, and then like a qual like a consolation game, right? It's all just for show, anyway. <clears throat> so 
I don't start. The German kid who they drafted starts the game, right? And halfway through the game, we're down 2 nothing. He lets in two goals. We're getting shelled. I go in halfway through the game. I said, if I want to make this team, I need to find a way to win this game. And, and all I did was take it one shot at a time. And I poured my heart and soul into that game. Stood on my head, stood on my head, score a goal before the end of the second. Okay, now it's 2-1, right? Shelled, shelled, shelled all of the third, back and forth. Hold the fort, hold the fort. And then don't we score a goal with like two and a half minutes left to tie the game 2-2. We go into overtime. We have a five-on-three and we're shorthanded for the entire five minutes of overtime. And I stood on my head. Didn't let in a goal. Hold it. Hold the fort. Hold the fort. Hold the fort. Doing whatever it takes. I knew my job was on the line. I played like my life depended on it. And I knew I was ready for that moment. We finally, we got through the PKs. Go to a shootout. I stop all three shooters. They stopped our first two. Trevor Moore, who is on the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think he got traded to Las Vegas or something, but he goes in for his third shot, for our third shot, and he scores. And we won the tournament. Against all odds, I didn't didn't cower at that challenge. I always talk about challenges. What are challenges? Challenges are situations that you're put in as a goalie and... Are you able, despite the odds, despite what's going on, are you able to overcome those challenges and propel your team to victory? That's what a challenge is, right? Yeah, you're in a bad situation, but guess what? It's your job to stop that puck. It's your job to help your team win that game, no matter what's thrown at you, whether it's 10 minutes of five on three, your job is still the same. Your expectations should not change. And I played my heart out. We won the tournament. I didn't land a single goal in two half games. And so Monday comes. They cut the German guy they drafted. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I actually have a chance here. I actually have a chance to win this game. And, or sorry, to to make this team. And I'm pumped, right? Uh, because now there's only one other import goalie. He was undrafted, so now it's sort of like between him and I, right? At least I thought. Sure enough, end of the week, um, you know, end of the week, we go to the, the fall classic, and they bring in this goalie. He didn't even end up playing a game, and uh, I knew from right there that I was done. I knew they brought in this guy. I heard some guys are like, oh, this guy's coming. He's here. This is a good goalie. And he was an OHL goalie, drafted fourth round by the Chicago Blackhawks. And because of the lockout, 2012-13 was the NHL lockout. So what happened? All the NHL guys went to Europe. And all of the rookies that were going to go play pro in Europe got pushed back down into junior hockey. And guess what? I got cut. And I played really good in the fall classic. I let in like three goals in two half games. Played really, really good. And, you know, Monday comes, they call me in their office, and they're like, yeah, we're looking for a more blocking-style goalie. And I said, okay, thank you for the opportunity. I held my head high. And if you listen to the conversation Wally and I had last week, he told me that they had committed to that guy. I knew they did. 
He didn't have he didn't have to say it to me. I knew they did. Um and so what I do, I hopped on a plane literally within 24 hours. I was in Vancouver to play for the Surrey Eagles. And uh in my first game there, I I I flew in all day, flew out 7:30 Tuesday a.m. flew out, got cut Monday at like 8 a.m. Went back to the apartment while everybody was getting dressed. Went back, talked to Matt Earhart late morning um, about, hey, do you need a guy? He said, yeah, we need a guy. Or he said, yeah, let me get back to you this afternoon. Went back while everybody was on the ice, packed my gear, go uh, go back home. We chat. He said, how, how quickly can you be here? I said, I'll be there tomorrow. So I buy the flight. I go, I, I, I'm 7.30. Four connecting flights to Vancouver. I don't get into Vancouver until 12 o'clock at night. 16-hour travel day. Four connections. Tuesday. Wednesday, nothing. They cut the guy, on, the other guy on Wednesday in Surrey. Thursday, first practice. Friday, my first game. We were in 10th place. Coquitlam was in first. They were 9-2. and two. We were 2-9. and nine. And I stood on my head that game and I played with so much fire and I wanted to prove to everybody that I didn't deserve to get cut from that team. And that's what I did. And what happened? Well, I ended up in Surrey. And guess what? Vermont saw me at the USHL Fall Classic. They followed me to Surrey. And he talked to the coach because he knew they were getting rid of me. He said, hey, what do you think of this kid? And the coach in Tri-City said, yeah, we made a promise to you another kid, but we should probably keep him. So he followed me to Surrey, and guess what? I played my heart out, chatted with me my first game there, and next thing you know, I have a Division One offer by Christmas. End up as a starter in the BCHL and leading the league. What a great team and a great opportunity to prove to people I'm worth finally playing at the next level. <laughs> so think about that. Is the bubble theory starting to sound familiar now? What I did, what it led to, me putting myself out there, me trying to play at the highest levels, right? Look what happened. I didn't know that would happen. I had no idea. In fact, Vermont didn't even know that would happen. But I constantly put myself in the right place at the right time with the right teams in the right league with the right people. And I played my best and I tried to be as consistent as possible. And what happened? Well, guess what? The five years that I put in playing junior, playing for all those people, putting my pouring my heart and soul into every game, every day I played. You know, Vermont went to my coaches in Avon and said, hey, is this kid the real deal? And they're like, yeah, this kid's the real deal. And then he asked Surrey. He said, hey, is this the, my coach in Surrey? I didn't even know he played for, for the this guy, for Wallach. Played for him at Quinnipiac. And he said, yeah, this kid's the real deal. And then guess what? I led the league. And by Christmas, that was it. All of those little inches I gained, right? Going here, going to there, doing well for these guys, doing well for these guys. When it comes down to the wire, it's very tight race. Those inches matter when it comes to the recruiting game. Those little things you do, where you go, the people you develop relationships with, how you play when you're there, they all add up to that scholarship, right? So... Crazy story, I know, but it just shows you, you need to, you can't be overly conservative. In fact, you need to embrace uncertainty and you need to get uncomfortable if you want to go the distance, if you want to get uh, a division one deal, if you want to play at the highest levels, you need to. So I hope the bubble theory is starting to sound uh, 
um, <laughs> you're starting to notice, right? So my final story is when I finally went pro. And I came off a bad senior year because my junior season, I literally folded my ankle in half, was out three months from December 1st. I remember it like it was yesterday. I still have nightmares about it because it hurt so bad and it ruined everything so bad. And I came back way too soon. I barely played any games. You know, I came back last game of the season, lost in playoffs in the second round, won the first round, didn't play well the second round. Uh, and then the next season we had a young kid come in and I wasn't playing good. I, I barely played any games. I kept re-hurting myself every time I tried to get momentum. He was playing good. I was taking a backseat real quick. You know, and I had dreamt of playing pro my whole life and I wasn't going to let this setback hold me back. I was going to go for it. I didn't care. Um, but what did I do? So my senior year, I call around all my high prof, my high profile contacts and I got in contact with as many ECHL teams as I could to get a tryout. Right. I reached out to the top teams and lo and behold, I finally get a serious look from the Colorado Eagles who won the championship in the ECHL the year before. And they were losing a goalie that season and had a spot wide open, sort of wide open. At least it seemed that way right at the time when I, before I got there. But anyway, I'll dive a little bit deeper. Um, you know, and I said to myself, how do I create worth for myself if I just came off a bad senior year and people are questioning my ability to play at the next level? Well, I played my cards right. And the coach in Colorado was actually a Surrey Eagles alumni. And he played with Matt Earhart, my old coach. And and I used that mutual connection, right? I used that high profile contact to get my foot in the door. And I said to myself, if I'm going to try out anywhere, if I'm going to get cut by a team, I want it to be the best damn team in the league. And then hopefully I have a good camp that the coach who has tons of credibility will say to other coaches, I had a great camp and I'm a great goalie. If I'm going to get cut, it better be by the best team in the league, right? And sure enough, I go, light it up, like do really, really good. Like I was really prepared. I surprised them. Like they did not expect me to come in and play as good as the guy that just won them a championship. And a week in the camp, a day before exhibition games, the coach calls me in and tells me I'm done. You know, uh, calls me in. I was like, what's going on? He calls me and he said, Mike, we're going to have to let you go. And I said, what? I said, why? I'm doing just as good, if not better than what you have here. He goes, we have a guy coming in from the NHL. And, um, you know, there's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. And that was me figuring out the bubble theory was so, so, so true. It couldn't be more true now than ever in pro hockey, right? But because I put myself out there in the ECHL with the best team and the best coach, I quickly got calls from other coaches in the SPHL, the league lower, from the top teams in the league offering me plenty of playing time right off the bat. Crazy, right? Now, when I got there, I didn't play very well, to be honest. My injury was still holding me back, and I had taken a, uh, taken significant steps back in my development over that two-year period. You know, But the moral of the story is still the same. Now, looking back, instead of me starting in junior C because it's comfortable and guaranteed or whatever you people think is guaranteed, it's not. People higher up will get pushed down the ladder just like I did in the USHL, and some, uh, for later, you'll find yourself out of job or stuck at the bottom of the ladder from the trickle-down effect that's constantly going on at every level. 
Go for Junior A tryout so you can be a Junior A starter this year. Go for USHL Major Junior tryout so you can be a Junior A starter this year. Go for AHL, ECHL tryouts so you can be an SBHL starter, an ECHL starter out the gate instead of starting right in the bottom in the Federal League and getting stuck at the bottom of the totem pole while everybody trickles down. It's way easier to fall and work your way back up once you've had that experience and built those relationships versus starting at the bottom and working your way up. Like we all say, well, it started from the bottom, now we're here. Well, guess what? It doesn't work like that in hockey. In fact, it will, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long road and, and typically uh, an ineffective way of approaching high-performance hockey, right? And this leads into my theory that I've been alluding to this entire conversation the bubble theory. The bubble theory basically refers to the trickle-down effect that occurs in hockey at every single level and it surrounds this thesis. If you strive high, and even if it doesn't work out, people in the leagues right under you love bubble guys. They love them. If you go to a USHL trial and get cut, you think people are going to say, oh no, he didn't make a USHL team, he's no good. No! No! Absolutely not. It gives you worth that you were even being considered for that level and that you almost made the team. Coaches from leagues and teams globally love bubble guys from leagues that are considered right above them. They want those guys. They look forward to the final cups happening late fall at those levels so they can fill out their rosters and trim the fat on guys that aren't really capable of playing at their level at the time. If you're able to compete at the levels above, you'll likely fit right in and do well in the leagues below. So what does that mean for you? Embrace the bubble theory. If you want to play high-performance sports, if you want to get to the next level, if you want to build worth as a young guy, going to USHL camps, going to USH, whatever, going to major junior camps, whatever you're trying to do as a young guy when you haven't played in high leagues, going to those tryouts gives you worth. The fact that you even got an invite, and the fact that coaches were considering you, and then if you go there, do well, put yourself out there. Strive high. Create worth for yourself. Play at the highest levels you can. Get a tryout and prove to those coaches that you can play, and you might get cut, and you likely will at some point. Expect it, even if you play well, right? But you get two things out of it. Sorry, you get three. You get three things out of it. One, experience playing at the level is in, at that level is incredibly undervalued. Getting that experience, realizing what it takes to play at the highest levels, what you're going to need to do in terms of your development to actually be able to get there, compete, and win at that level. Not just play. Number two, the coaches at the higher levels get a look at you. And now they know what they're getting. You've built that relationship. They know who you are. They know what you're about. They know what you're worth. And typically, if anything changes, you'll be the first guy they call. Not someone who they didn't go see. Not someone who they didn't get to meet. Coaches put in the time and effort to recruit. And typically, they go with the guys they've put into the work building relationships and recruiting. They won't just go to some random guy who called after they've been recruiting these guys for five months. It doesn't happen that way. And then the coaches, number three, if you do well, will put in a good word for you as a reference, right? When coaches at the levels lower call and say, how's this kid? They're going to be like, he's solid. He's a starter at your level. Boom. 
That's your in. That's how I got my Division One deal. He went and asked the coach in Tri-City, how's this kid? He said, honestly, we made a commitment to a kid, but we should probably keep him. He's good. And guess what? He followed me to Surrey because of that. And because I played well in Surrey, he talked to me. And then he asked my coach, same thing in Surrey. Is this guy the real deal? He said, yeah, this kid's a machine. But that's your in. That's how you move up. You have a high-level coach vouching for you. You just show people you could play at that level, and it's created worth for you. So now you can actually jump into a high league still near the top as a starter with a great opportunity to prove yourself and play. And anyone who goes and talks to that coach, they have great things to say. Build your reputation. Gets you exposure. You need people to vouch for you. And the only way they're going to do that is if you go put yourself out there and play, right? Show them you can play. So that way your name starts to get around. Your feedback is really positive. It builds your reputation. It gets you exposure. It proves to people that you can play. You're proving to people with a resume who have a resume or are coaching good teams. They're putting in word for you. That goes further than anything else you'll ever have as a young guy. And this is the case for all levels, even minor hockey. Embrace this bubble theory I'm explaining to you. And understand, you must understand that hockey is political and you will go extinct and retire much sooner than you expected if you don't embrace this theory. You need to get uncomfortable. You can't be conservative. You need to put yourself out there and create worth for yourself and try to plug yourself into the top of the food chain, right? Like even if you don't even deserve the opportunity, that's even more of, a, of an incentive for you to go. Because if, let's say you're still, like, let's say you're a junior B caliber goalie and you make your way into USHL trial. Well, guess what? One, the experience is going to fast track your development. You're going to realize what it takes to play at that level. And two, you're going to fall to junior A, even if you're a junior B goalie. And guess what? You might get there. You might get a great opportunity. You might get acclimated quick. You might end up doing better than you expected. But if you just wait at the bottom your whole career, you will stay down there. Guys will be doing what I'm saying, playing their cards right, as we call it, embracing the bubble theory, striving high, and falling to a higher level than where they would have started. They just wanted to give it an honest try without getting uncomfortable. I repeat again, the biggest mistake you guys make is being overly conservative for way too long, not taking calculated risks to build worth for themselves, to prove to people that they can play at the next level. And then next thing you know, you're 20 years old and you don't have much to show for and your time's run out. Like I said, you have a short window. So you need to get uncomfortable. You need to put yourself out there. You need to create worth for yourself. And you need to show people you can play at the highest levels or else you'll be stuck at the bottom forever. As more and more guys filter into junior and minor hockey every season, you just get stuck at the bottom. As that trickle effect constantly happens, new guys come into the loop. So what do we do? And... Uh, in this, in in Wallach referred to, you gotta you gotta go to tournaments, pick three or four things in the course of the summer, uh, USHL tryout, junior A tryout, uh, uh, some type of combine, bean pot, uh, chowder cup, whatever it is that will give you exposure. Pick three or four things, go to it. Even if it gives you one percent chance more likely of getting seen, you need that one percent. This is a game of inches. This recruiting game is a game of inches, and you need it. So. What does a good fit look like? I'll tell you right now, there's absolutely no guarantees or promises anymore after minor hockey. And when you get to the next level, and even if it's double A, it's the same thing. Movement happens mid-season all the time. 
And you need to learn to eliminate distractions and focus on yourself. Embrace the uncertainty that comes with high-performance sports. Plain and simple. It's just the way it is. You either learn to live with it and learn to focus on yourself or you fail. Right? You need to learn to prepare properly and perform and focus on stopping the puck and doing your job when the pressure is on, when the coaches are evaluating. When you're trying to make a good first impression, get the results and stick around. So what does a good fit look like? Well, I always find guys say, oh, I got screwed or this didn't work out because of this. I totally understand that some circumstances can be out of our control. And I've been a victim to it. As you, as you just heard plenty of times, I didn't complain about politics. I just knew. It. I said, okay, what can I do better? How can I prove to them I'm better? Um, how can I be better, right? And, and, but how can you, but you can control how you respond. And you can control the work you put into prior to going anywhere to any camps. So you need to put in the work and due diligence before you go anywhere or commit to anything to find an honest opportunity. And a good fit, people always say, well, what's a good fit? A good fit is an opportunity where there's one or no returning goalies. So coach is looking for someone to come in and take on the graduator's role and they're looking to find, uh, and you're looking to find a coach with a, with a connection. You know, you're trying to find a coach that you connect with and see eye to eye with. And then finally, you're looking for a merit-based opportunity. So those three things above are what a good fit looks like. Little to no returners, so job is open for the taking. A coach you connect with that's looking for whoever comes in and can prove to them that they can help them win games and show them that they're the guy. An honest, merit-based opportunity where we go to camp, prove to them we can play, that they're willing to sign us and give us a chance to prove ourselves at the end of the season. That's it. That's what a good opportunity looks like. If you don't find that opportunity, you're rolling the dice. And the odds are you're going to find yourself out of job or being blindsided by a move you didn't expect. Sort of like I did, right? Like in, in Tri-City, I didn't really realize that that was the case with the goalie situation. But the experience was so good because guess what happened? That experience led into the second USHL tryout I went to, which allowed me to make main camp. Even though they drafted the guy, same thing. I played even better. And I went to main camp, stood on my head, got cut. Vermont saw me. That's how I got my Division One deal. So what's a good opportunity? Uh, that's what a good opportunity looks like. You know, if you don't find that opportunity, you're rolling the dice. And the odds you're going to find your, you know, yourself out, a job, or being blindsided, um, is much greater. So how do we find a good opportunity? Well, I'm going to reveal to you briefly the system I use to overcome politics, gauge interest from coaches at all leagues and levels, and read between the lines and figure out what the best opportunity for you is that um, upcoming season. Because you have to remember, every season is different, right? Avon that year had two graduating goalies, so it presented a good opportunity and that might not have been the case had I gone in the year after. It might not have been a good opportunity. I might not have taken it, right? So I'm going to reveal to you today how to do your own recruiting work and put the odds in your favor to find the best opportunity possible to give yourself the best chance of success at the next level to make a team and prove to people that you can play and legitimately find an opportunity that suits you, right? And for most people these days, unless you play minor hockey, you likely aren't going to get much opportunity to play in your backyard. You have to be willing to leave home 
and chase an opportunity that fits your needs. Plain and simple. I was willing to leave home and chase my dream at a young age to put myself in the best situation to succeed. And that goes the same here, right? Think about it. I could have played in the OJHL. I already played. But guess what? I wasn't going to get good grades, which matters. Academics matter to scouts, right? Division one. And I was, and there wasn't much exposure from Division One schools. It was all like Atlantic schools, and I wanted to play in Hockey East. I wanted to play in the best league in college hockey. That's what I wanted. So what did I do? I went right in their backyard. I was willing to leave here, put myself, because I asked Ben Sire, the assistant coach of Cornell now, who recruited me while he was at Quinnipiac, and he said, go to Avon. He had what I wanted. I didn't even blink, and I knew the variables that mattered. Grades mattered. Quality of school mattered. Exposure mattered, and going to a top program in New England uh, held a ton of weight, right? I was willing to leave. And when it comes to junior hockey, think about this, guys. There are easily over 400-plus teams at every level, including every level of junior. That's a stupid number of teams, and I got guys coming to me saying they don't have any offers. Listen, boys and girls, most people are not going to come looking for you. They will not find you in this big crowded world. You need to put your name in front of them so they can evaluate you and decide if you're a good fit for their program. But they will never find you if you don't put yourself out there. We talk about finding a good fit. Well, if you only contact three teams in your local league, well, guess what? The odds of you finding a great fit are likely slim to none. You need to increase your odds. So what do we do? We need to throw out several lines in several leagues at several levels and create plans A, B, C, D, E, F, G, knowing things are going to be choppy and we need backup plans. Nothing is totally linear as I alluded to earlier in this episode. You need to expect bumps in the road and have backups when those bumps come, right? Um, but also in order to fight to, to find that right fit, we just need to increase our odds by reaching out to as many coaches as possible, really. So what does that mean? Well, recruiting is a total numbers game. And I'll tell you right now, do not put the fate of your career in someone else's hands, whether it be an agent or whatever you think is going to get you to the next level. You can't trust coaches. You can't trust agents. It's plain and simple. They're talking to 10 other goal. The coaches are talking to 10 other goalies too. We know that. So guess what? We're going to flip the switch here and do the same thing. Keep our options open and put the odds in our favor to find a good fit and succeed in the recruiting process. So what if I, instead of me contacting three coaches, I contacted 50 coaches slowly over the course of a few weeks? Well, guess what? You're going to fail. 30 won't respond. 10 will be a no, and that'll be because they're either not interested or they have their guys. Seven will say, yeah, maybe we'll bring you in the camp. Two, three teams will be very interested and will actually be a good fit like I mentioned above. But if you don't go out and work to find that good fit, it will very unlikely just fall in your lap. I could promise you that from experience. So today I'm going to detail to you my system that I've used time and time again to overcome politics, put the odds in my favor that has helped me find a great fit over the course of all my years that put me in a good situation to succeed. And all you're going to do is make two lists. List number one is all the high profile people you know and have relationships with prior. This is key. Must be someone you're acquainted with or have a prior relationship with. You make this list of high-profile people, and then you reach out to them and you ask them for advice. Right? 
After this, two things will happen. You either get some solid advice that will actually help you figure out what exactly you need to do to get what you want or get wherever league you're trying to play in. Or number two, usually if you have a pre-existing relationship, about 10 to 20% of the people you reach out to will actually be willing to make a call and and stick their neck out there for you and reach out to someone else they know for you. And when it comes to the hockey world, the reason I start with this this list is because relationships are king. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I never pulled any strings or used pre-existing relationships to get my foot in the door. I alluded to it earlier in the convo. I told you. All those relationships I developed over my years eventually led to me getting my Division One offer. But I had no clue that would happen. It's just about like never burning bridges, being consistent, being a good goaltender, working hard for people, being a leader and having a good attitude. And people will put their neck out there for you. Right. But the fact of the matter is everyone is doing this. You need to use your pre-existing relationships to find opportunities. It's absolutely imperative to moving up levels. This is what we call playing our cards right. Because think of trust. Right. Think of it this way. If I contact a coach, that's one thing. Right. But if that coach has a relationship with a mutual friend that you have. Him reaching out saying, hey, look at this kid. He's good. He's a great kid. I trust him. He's worth looking. He's cal- He's a good goalie for your level. Automatically, you get moved to the top of the list on kids being considered for the job because generally speaking, people go with what they are comfortable with. People go with what they know, what they're familiar with. And to them, it's such a low risk bet if someone they know and trust reaches out and says, hey, look at this kid. They are more willing to give you a chance because of that mutual connection. So use your high profile network to find mutual connections to get your foot in the door in different places, right? And then method number two is cold email and cold calling. Do your due diligence. Find the leagues you want to play in, the teams you want to play for, teams losing their goalies, teams that had bad goalies that might be in a market for a change. Find out. Make a list of all the leagues. Make a list of all the teams at every level. Make a list of all those coaches' contact info and then start cold calling or emailing coaches. Reach out to them to gauge their goalie situation going into next fall. Some coaches will not answer. Some will say they're not interested. Some will try and bring you in to keep their options open. But some will actually be interested in you and you'll feel that. I always say when it comes to the recruiting process, you can always feel in your gut who you connect with and who is really going to give you a fair shot. How quickly do they respond? How quickly do they jump on you? What's the verbiage they're using when they email you back? How often do they want to chat? How honest are they with you? It's such a big time feeling out process. And 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 coaches are liars. Read between the lines. Do not take their word for it. If they're sort of beating around the bush like, yeah, we got these couple guys coming in for camp and... You know, we're not really sure, you know, like we, we think they're going to be good for us, but we're not really sure. Well, you just told me you got guys coming in that you already got your eye on. So, you know, maybe that's not the best opportunity. Right. And you really need to read behind the lines here. Right. And you'll feel that right away. And remember, you only need one team. We're contacting 50 teams in prep to get one team. You can't play in 100 teams. You can only play for one team anyway. So all you need is one team to say yes, but everybody's unwilling to take 49 no's before they get that one yes. 
What if you took 49 no's and eventually one day North Dakota gave you a Division One scholarship? What if you could have got that, but you gave up too early because somebody said no to you? It's a part of the process, guys. It is what it is. Um, and then once we've done all our due diligence, you know, called or emailed mutual connections and coaches, you reevaluate and say, okay, do I have a good, fair opportunity and a good fit with a good team and a good league with a coach I like that I connect with that says he's going to give me a fair shot with a team I think I can make and beat out the competition? If that answer is yes, congratulations, you just found your good fit. If that answer is no and you haven't gotten much, then you keep moving forward with other coaches. And if you need to contact people from other leagues, other levels, prep junior, AAA, AA, whatever it is, exhaust your options entirely and embrace the process. Somewhere down the line, someone at some level is going to be interested in you and going to be willing to give you a shot. And once we find that opportunity, we prepare for it. We go to tryouts and we put our best foot forward and you show those coaches you're better than the competition that you can help them win games the upcoming season. Now, I won't dive into a full detail on what to say, what material to send them because these are details that are part of my proven system that has helped me get to the next level year after year after year after year. Over 10 years now, same system. Me and my dad developed this. And if you're interested in learning what exactly to say to these coaches, because I'll tell you right now, the terminology you use, the verbiage you use when you talk to them, the things you send them, the things you say have such a dramatic impact on how seriously they'll take you. And I've been able to isolate all those variables down to a science to open doors for you. And I've been working with a ton of kids as of recently, and they're absolutely blown away by the recruiting results that they've been getting and how many doors and opportunities have opened for them after working with me. So if you're interested in learning what exactly to say to these people, because to be honest, it varies quite significantly on a goalie to goalie basis, right? You might be double A, you might be triple A, you might be going pro, you might be trying to get an affiliate gig. I can help you craft your templates from scratch. Do your due diligence, contact coaches, find information, and assess what opportunity is likely the best for you based off what they said. Because I know exactly how to read between the lines. I've been screwed. I've seen it all. I know when they're being honest and when they're not and when it's a fair opportunity. And that's exactly what I specialize in. Helping kids find an opportunity and make a jump to the next level. And you can either pay an agent or a family advisor over five grand. Have a mass email your name out to schools or teams with a huge list of other kids and get completely drowned out in the recruiting process and totally leave it up to chance. Like I said, 95% of kids are doing the same thing. Not to mention you never learn how to fish for yourself so you'll have to keep paying them year after year. Or for pennies on the dollar and an incredibly significantly cheaper fee, I can teach you how to fish for yourself and get way better results than trusting these agents and family advisors. And the best part is, these are skills that you will use year after year after year after year that have helped me go from minor hockey to junior A to college to pro hockey and beyond. I can teach you guys how to fish so you can do it yourselves move your career forward, and finally get the recruiting results you've been looking for. If you're a high-performance athlete and you want to go places, you need to be willing to invest in yourself a bit to give yourself a better chance to succeed. Like I said, the inches matter. Every little inch matters. The words that you put on that paper, how you reach out to teams, 
Everything, all those little details matter when it comes down the wire. If you look at me when I got my Division One offer, Danny Taroni was also being considered for the same deal. He ended up going to UNH and being a great goalie. It, it comes down to the wire. And with the deal I'm offering you guys, it honestly is a no-brainer considering the industry standards on what agents and family advisors charge these days. It's, it's absurd. The results they get you is nothing. And I've had agents my whole career. They never got me anything. Nothing. Vermont, USHL, Avon, everything. I got everything myself, even with those agents right beside me. They were like, oh, wow, I can't believe you got that. We canned them. We got rid of them. Sorry, you didn't do your job. We paid you this money to go out and do this. Guess what? You didn't do your job. You're done. And I never, I never relied on them. I said, you know what? If an agent can help me even 1%, get more exposure, maybe get a deal, I'm willing to do it. But in hindsight, they didn't help at all because it's such a drowned out industry. And I'm telling you right now, you need to learn how to fish for yourself, even if you have an agent, because every inch counts. So if that's something that interests you, visit my page at patreon.com slash goalie hacks, which is also included in the show notes. And if you're looking to increase your odds dramatically of finding an opportunity that's legit at the next level, I have no doubt I can help you get there as I already have with others in just a short few months as I have my whole career. You know, it's recruiting season right now. And if you want to leave it up to chance, then I wish you all the best of luck regardless. You know, I'm always here for you guys. But if you're looking to dramatically put the odds in your favor of finding the right fit for next season, I strongly suggest you consider becoming a part of my inner circle because this is the side of hockey I specialize in. Overcoming politics, playing your cards right, to be able to actually make the step to the next level, to even be considered. I've had it against me my whole career politics. And I'll tell you right now, you know, like I alluded to, these agents did nothing for me. Every opportunity I ever got was because of me reaching out to teams at every level, gauging their interests, using my mutual connections that I made, not through my agents, to get my foot in the door and get tryout opportunities. So honestly, when it comes to finding your place in this world, you need to take matters into your own hands. And I can teach you how to do that so you don't hang up the gloves prematurely and continue to beat your head against the wall because politics are an issue in your career. So like I said, hit me up directly if you're interested. And, and if you're interested in going working together and going deeper to find out every step and all the details of my proven strategy. Or head to my page at patreon.com slash to join today to become a member so we can get to work ASAP. And there's no one in this world I hold closer to my heart than my patrons. And if you become a member of my inner circle, I know you won't be disappointed. So... With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is an inside look into what it takes to be considered for the next level and how to actually get there. And I hope my failures and my experiences will shed some light on how exactly to put yourself in the best situation to succeed uh, this spring and early summer. And even going forward year after year, I'm going to teach you guys how to fish, how to do it yourself so you don't have to pay agents. You can do it yourself, man. And this is something I've developed and held close to me for over a decade now. And in such a crowded world, it's crazy how much this philosophy holds true now more than ever. You need to do the recruiting work to put yourself in a good situation to succeed. And I hope you guys heavily consider working with me because I know just like many others, I'll be able to help you get to the next level, whatever level that is. So I love you all. As always, I had a lot of fun doing this episode. 
I'm very passionate when it, when it comes to recruiting, as you can tell. And I'll likely be doing a solo session about every three months as it's a lot of work for me to put together on top of everything I've been doing as of lately. But I'm super excited for what lies ahead of all of us. And I look forward to continuing to serve you guys. And I hope you've enjoyed the Goalie Hacks experience so far. And as always, if you have any more questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to me directly and I'd be happy to help. But for now, this is Mike Santaguita signing off. Everyone take care and good luck. Peace. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come onto the show the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have my longtime hero I've always looked up to on the show, Jeff Lurg. Jeff is easily the most standout, undersized goaltender of our generation. I've looked up to him as a mentor and a beacon of hope my whole career, and I was so happy and it was so awesome to have him on to chat about what it takes to play at the next level as an undersized goalie. You guys definitely don't want to miss this one, so make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away. To enter the giveaway, simply go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. Once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product outright, right away, they're currently offering subscriptions for cheaper than what the price will be when the product fully launches. So if you guys want to get started at a cheaper price before the price goes up, hit me up on Instagram for more details. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.